0: are talking about friendship or working on your personality. These are things that come for free. So there are no products being sold and hence it escapes our attention.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. Jason Mark Campbell here. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have a guest today that's going to talk to us about a concept that you might not think is directly correlated to your workplace, but matter of fact, there is such a large influence that your work will have on how to apply these concepts. On making you grow young? How can we live to 100? Very important things that we all strive for and I really am excited about applying these concepts when it comes to the workplace. Marta Zoraska is a writer, freelance science journalist who has been featured in the Washington Post, Scientific American, The Atlantic, Los Angeles Times. She's had a TEDx talk at Bocconi University in Milan and she speaks about this topic of growing young, how friendships, optimism and kindness can help help you live to 100. This is her new book, Who Just Hit the shelves, which is the second piece of literature that she has released. Her first one around, Meat Hooked, was actually one of the best science pick by Nature Journal. So with that, we're going to dive right into these concepts and see how does our workplace influence our friendships, optimism, and kindness, and how much does it correlate to us aging. Martha, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me, Jason.
1: Now, Martha, you wrote a book called Growing Young. Now, most of us think about growing old. What are we talking about here? What is this concept of growing young?
0: So I'm certainly not saying that we are going to stop aging at all and suddenly, you know, 60-year-olds will become 20-year-olds or even that it's, you know, something desirable, not not at all. Um, Basically, the the title is a play on words because by growing, I mostly mean growing as a person. So becoming more connected, more involved in your community, more uh, conscientious, for example, more optimistic, and at the same time, uh, also striving to stay healthy and live long, hence the young part. Uh, But it's mostly a a play on words about becoming a better person, basically, which actually help us stay healthy and live long.
1: Well, I love the fact that you often speak about, um, you know, people are obsessed about fitness trackers. We're all looking for that next superfood to make us have more energy. And even if you think about productivity, we're always trying to be in the most optimal health state of mind so that we can get more done. Yet you're seeing that this is not even the strongest correlators to making us stay younger and more fulfilled. Is that right?
0: I mean certainly diet and exercise are important both for our health and for our mental functioning, for our productivity. But the truth is there are often not as important as we think. Uh, For example, if you think about diet or exercise, these can lower your mortality risk by about 20 to 30%. Whereas when you think about being a socially connected person, so involved in your community, in your family, with your friends, uh, being like really included uh, in your social networks, this can lower your mortality risk by about 60%. So you have 60% versus 20 to 30%. So the numbers here are much, much bigger. It's the same for volunteering, for example, or charity involvement, which can lower your mortality risk uh, even by 40%. So, again, more than uh, the best of diets or the best of exercise regimes. So, we are talking about really big numbers here.
1: That's incredible. Now, is this recent research? Like, I've heard of concepts around loneliness being bad for your health, but here you're being very specific about being kind and doing things within your community. Is this recent research?
0: I mean, there is plenty of research on that. And it actually has started already back in the 1950s. So it's not exactly that new, but somehow it completely escaped the public perception and and, uh, what we are concentrating on because we are paying so much attention to diet and exercise and so on. I think it's mostly because there are products that are being sold to us. You know, When you think about some miracle foods or exercise gadgets, exercise apps, uh, new fat diets, there's lots of things being sold to us, supplements the same, right? Whereas when we are talking about friendship or working on your personality or uh, your optimism or your kindness, uh, these are things that come for free. So there are no products being sold and hence it escapes our attention.
1: That's so funny. It's like the lobby for being nice doesn't have much funding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't.
1: (laughs) My God, though. But, you know, it's it's very counterintuitive because a lot of people are thinking, wow, I should really obsess on like maybe getting all those apps on my smartphone and then just constantly Constantly just being tracking yet when you do that, you kind of get more self-absorbed into your devices and your own metrics. And matter of fact, it seems like it's activities that would be considered a little more self-centered, which seems to be the opposite of what you're indicating being the highest things that help your longevity are those the trends we're watching now?
0: I mean, certainly. I'm. I'm. What I'm saying is that you should be more outward looking than more inwards looking. And you know, people often ask me, aren't those things kind of new agey or you know, just kind of stories that were said and things like that? But actually, the fact is, there's so much research uh, supporting those things. I for when I was reading, writing Growing Young, I've read over 600 research papers, academic papers that you know analyzed everything to the most Basic physiological level, the level of cells and gene expression uh, and neurotransmitters in your body, and so on and so on. And I talked to dozens of scientists in different fields um, of work. And uh, so there is absolutely nothing mystic about it. It's very biological, it's very physiological. There's all these connections between uh, how we live our life mentally and how it functions on the physiological level of our body.
1: So, you know. Most of our lives for us, we're going to be spending it in the workplace. That's usually a place where you're going to have some certain colleagues. uh, You're going to have activities. Maybe you're working all the time based on the research you've done. What are some of the things that people might be neglecting within their workplace that could actually help them gain more energy, be a bit more productive and even live longer in the process?
0: I mean, first of all, work is really good for you. So uh, there was this common misconception that workaholics, that kind of A personality types are worse off in terms of health, whereas actually now we know that the type A personality concept was invented basically by the tobacco industry back in the 60s because they wanted to. uh, take the spotlight away from what causes uh, heart disease, uh, which is very often tobacco. And they wanted to blame something else. And hence they uh, invented this concept of eight personality type. Whereas we know it's not true and actually working is good for you, to the point that um, actually Japanese people, very often uh, st- the longest living nation on the planet, they actually work uh, even past retirement age. They have, when I was researching growing young, I traveled to Japan and talked to many centenarians there and also aging researchers. And um, and they have special reti- retirement employment agencies in Japan. They call their, them silver hair employment agencies. And basically the idea is that when you're are of retirement age, and you are retiring from your traditional career, being in marketing or a banker or whatnot, uh, you go to this employment agency and you find yourself a new career for your retirement, but something simpler, easier, more relaxed. For example, you may be a gardener of public space, or you may help children cross the street on the way to school every morning. So you see this, you know, grey haired people, elderly people in Japan everywhere uh, still working and they do it because they know that having a purpose in life as something that work often gives you is a very important part of staying healthy and living long. And um, this, they also call it the Ikigai, so a, having the reason for living. And there is also lots of research confirming that staying very active with this kind of involvement in the community, in social life, in also in the networks that working gives you, uh, keeps you healthy, functioning well. It's good for your cardiovascular health as well, uh, really for a long time.
1: I think I've heard this before where it's like the moment someone retires, you know, their their life expectancy actually goes down and I think it correlates to what you're speaking here. Um, one quick question on that is have you noticed differences between men and women in this regard? Because I remember, I believe it was Dr. John Gray who wrote the book uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He studied and he, he's the one I remember hearing the saying that the moment a man retires that his testosterone levels go very, very low, Um, and I'm wondering if there was any research that showed the same effects within women, or is it different?
0: I mean, it's the same for women. The differences are mostly cultural here. uh, It's again, it brings it back to this concept of purpose in life, or what the Japanese call the ikigai, uh, because for men, especially in kind of more masculine cultures like Japan, for example, uh, working is the purpose in life. Whereas women sometimes find it. Somewhere else, for example, taking care of their grandchildren or uh, volunteering in their community, but it, it boils down to the same thing. So it's, it's purely cultural, you, you know, in a culture where men and women are completely uh, equal, uh, then both men and women would have the same purpose in life at work and both have the same purpose in life from, from caring for their grandchildren. It's just about being involved, giving back and also being connected to other people because when you, think about retirement as kind of retiring to sit on the couch the whole day and watch Netflix. Uh, it also means losing connections to the network, right? Work gives you connection, you're meeting people, you're staying in touch. And the same you can get from volunteering or being just involved in your neighborhood or having lots of friends and things like that. But uh, if you retire just to do nothing, then you lose that as well. And it's a very important part of staying healthy and living long.
1: Martha, it looks like like you mentioned earlier, you went into so much research to complete this book and to put this all together. I'd be curious about what was your motivation to get so deep within this subject, because it's a little different from your first piece of literature. So I'd be curious to know what got you excited about this.
0: I mean, it's not different at all. My first book, Meat Hooked, was about nutrition. It's about why humans love to eat meat. And uh, this book also started from nutrition, because I am very health conscious myself. I try to eat healthier. I exercise. I. I run a lot. And um, whereas I started, you know, when I was working, writing articles for Scientific American and New Scientist, I was, I started stumbling upon more and more research that was pointing in a very different direction so that nutrition is not as important as we think. And um, and I even saw some very interesting meta-analysis where scientists put beside all these numbers, you know, very conveniently to compare them exactly. You know, diet gives you this and this, exercise this and this, and here is how much you can get from purpose in life, from friendship, from kindness, from volunteering, from optimism as well. And, uh, and then I realized that I was fixating too much on nutrition, even from my own health and well-being or my family's health and well-being and I should be putting more effort into this what I call soft drivers of longevity and uh, stop obsessing so much about the best miracle foods organics and uh, supplements and so on and so on
1: I love that you call them the soft drivers for longevity
0: Yes, I just to kind of, you know, find one words to uh, put it all together, because there is so much right it's, there is conscientiousness, there is um, donations, there is empathy, there is a romantic relationship, which is actually the most important thing you can do for your health and longevity. So so there is just so much going on as well there.
1: I even see one that's, uh, that was an interesting thing that I saw within the notes here was about how Botox may actually lead to bag longevity. Can you elaborate on that?
0: Uh, yes, it's, I mean, it's a very early, uh, research, but what happens is that, um, you know, when you are experiencing emotions, uh, there is something called facial feedback, so you can, uh, tested in practice. For example, if you put, uh, if you try to make an angry face and stay with it for a few seconds, you will suddenly start feeling more angry. And whereas if you start, if you force yourself to smile, you will actually become more cheerful. So our emotions and the muscles, the functioning of the physical functioning of the muscles in our face are actually connected. And when people um, have Botox, their muscles are not functioning well, and they cannot actually experience certain emotions. It's been shown in research. The same thing, happens to people with Parkinson's disease, for example, because they have, they experience paralysis of certain muscles in their face and they have problems dealing with emotions. And uh, this in turn, uh, for Parkinson's people, at least this has been research, uh, research uh, leads them to have problems in interpersonal relationships, which it has not been tested in Botox yet, but you could assume that it will be a similar thing because we're talking about this kind of paralysis of facial muscles. So it is something definitely very worrisome. I I guess I'm not getting botox on it. Time (laughs) soon.
1: That's so funny. So, I want to bring it back to uh, the workplace here. So, you've already talked about so many of these soft parameters here that really help with longevity. We're talking about, you know, basically everything around being a good human, it sounds like kindness, being optimistic, uh, you know, being in social settings, finding love. I'd be curious to know if you've noticed any of the maybe bad cultural habits that happen in the workplace that actually would be more negative to our health than we would assume yet is being embraced by the culture. Have you noticed some of these trends? Uh,
0: I mean, definitely if work is the only thing you do and you completely, for example, abandon your romantic relationship for it, then this is not a good thing because it, as I've mentioned before, having a good romantic relationship is the best thing you can do for your health and longevity It's actually more powerful for your cardiovascular health for your uh, cancer uh, avoidance um, then than, for example uh, eating six or more servings of fruits or vegetables per day it's better than the Mediterranean diet so it's, it's really really important not to abandon you know your other aspects of life but uh, that said you know there are lots of good things that work can give you uh, for example there 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 is lots of research showing that uh, at work we often form friendships and sometimes it's so simple as basically being seated close to another person, you know, having a cubicle uh, next to each other. Actually, there's some fascinating research showing that we generally become friends with people who are Geographically, you could say close to us. For example, in police ac- police academy, uh, the researcher discovered that uh, weirdly, uh, people were friends with people, very with people who had last names starting with the same letter. And they discovered that's because they are always seated; uh, their desks are alphabetical. So people were becoming friends th- with those; w- their names were the closest in alphabet. So we really do become cl- close friends with people who are physically close to us. So workplaces are an obvious obvious place when um when this kind of friendships form. And it's really, really important for us. And another thing that you know work often gives people is this kind of practice of being conscientious. Uh, And conscientiousness is the one of the most important things as well for your health and longevity Uh, and by conscientiousness I mean you know this is the personality trait that makes people keep their desk tidy uh, pay their bills on time show to meetings on time and it's also something that we can practice just like exercise a muscle that can be exercised and if you just keep doing those things being conscientious day after day after day uh, you become more more conscientious and your your health will benefit long term actually the effects of conscientiousness on health are so large that one researchers I t- researcher I talked to uh, said it if it was a pill, it would be the most powerful drug on the planet.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Well, for everybody listening, if you are having chronic late to meeting syndrome, you know that this might be affecting your longevity. So I hope if every other episode that we spoke about being on time is a respectful act, we hope now that you realize that it also affects your health, it'll change the behavior. <laughs> I... Absolutely love this, Martha. Again, it's like all of these things that some people, I'm sure, like you mentioned, assume it's new age, yet all the research is pointing towards all these human qualities of being a good functional human in society is making us live longer. And so I'd be very curious to know, as a lot of us have switched over to remote work, we've had, you know, as we're recording this, the coronavirus has been an epidemic or pandemic that's happened around the world. What are the trends you're seeing about these health markers affecting people in the workplace now that they don't get to sit next to each other, but they're working from home and connecting digitally?
0: I mean, certainly from health perspective, the social isolation we are experiencing right now is a very worrisome trend. Uh, you know, when you think about it, people who are socially isolated, they have higher blood pressure. Uh, they have even different gene expression in terms of uh, genes that play a role in inflammation and also in viral response, meaning that people who are isolated and feeling lonely actually are more prone to getting viruses, which is, you know a very ironic thing when you think about what we are trying to avoid here. Uh, They also have shorter telomeres. So these are the protective caps at the ends of chromosomes that play a role in aging. So there's a lot of things happening on a very physiological level when you're isolated that are not good for you. So definitely, you know, if you are working from home all the time and you have no chance to meeting, having those water cooler meeting, right? Or the coffee meetings at work, which so many people are starting to appreciate much more these days when they don't have it, right? Uh, These are very, very important for our health. But there are also things you can do and um, that research shows uh, you can uh, strive for example, to have more phone calls and Video calls rather than just emailing and texting. Uh, there is actual research showing that when you text or email, you don't get the same boost of social hormones, such as oxytocin. They're the hormones that are responsible for our emotional well being, so this feeling of connection to other people, but also directly for our physiology, for example, inflammation. Uh, and uh, you get more of this oxytocin where you hear the other people's voice uh, or see them online, uh, and you don't get it when you are texting texting. texting, or just emailing. So there are very simple tricks you can also do to help yourself feel more connected.
1: That's good to know, especially as we're trying to find these digital alternatives if we don't have the choice. And, you know, one of the final questions I wanted to ask is for an organization that's just listening to this, maybe I'm in a leadership position or in an HR position, what would be some initiatives that you would recommend from a company wide perspective that could really make the most of the research you've found to make the whole workforce healthier, maybe more energetic, more productive, knowing that all of these markers actually help all of it?
0: I mean, so definitely fostering the connections, right? So have the uh, have a nice chill out room for employees where they can play, you know, some uh, games, darts, even like just places to connect right these are really really important for the well-being and health of the employees so uh, so this is something of course we are talking post coronavirus mostly here but generally ways to connect for example also a lot of work um, workplaces do that already but some kind of volunteering or opportunities for people to do something together so uh, when my husband used to work for one consulting company for example every year they would uh, uh, build a house with habitat for hum- humanity which was an amazing way to both connect with other uh, his friends at work, but also uh, giving back and volunteering, which we know is also so important for health. Volunteers, for example, spend about 37% less nights in hospitals than people who don't volunteer. But what is also important is to give people a choice. So, for example, when it comes to volunteering or monetary donations, uh, if you have a choice where you're donating or where you're volunteering, it has much bigger impact on your health, better impact on your health, than if you are forced to do something you are not really interested in. So it's important also for people to have choice, but organizing this kind of events uh, definitely is really, really good for, for health.
1: Martha, thank you so much for coming here and sharing all of this amazing stuff that I hope for the people who've never heard this before, you now have a blueprint of what are the most important things you can do to actually increase your longevity. Growing Young is a book that is out and available now. We will put a link in the show notes so you can grab a copy so you can go deeper into the topic. And what we've covered here is that as much as exercise and nutrition are extremely important to our health, there's so many of these soft markers that actually make a bigger impact than we ever thought possible. We're talking about kindness. We're talking about being optimistic. We're talking about the strength of your social connections. We're talking about your romantic relationships. When you're in the workplace, you have at least the opportunity to nurture these. Colleague relationships that actually will make you grow younger as the title suggests, but yet you will find yourself being able to have more energy, be more productive, be more engaged. And in essence, you have massive incentive to be the best human possible. This is not new age concepts. These are science data proven exercises that have shown that the more you operate as a great human being, you will actually help your health markers be you someone who will live as long as possible. This was an incredible episode. I really wish my more people get to hear about these concepts. Martha, thank you so much for coming to share and make sure everybody to go deeper into this research, go grab the book and discover more about these concepts. Go out there, be in the workplace as the kindest person you can be and find yourself living to a hundred in the process. Thank you so much. My name is Jason Campbell and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast.